The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast number 63. Thank you for listening. We, every week, delve into uh, interesting people in the Twin Cities doing cool stuff. A lot of times it's people making products. Other times they're making technology or perhaps in the service industry, making our lives a little bit better every day. And our guest today is Chris Field from Five Vodka, and he's making our life better in lots of ways because he's making vodka taste good. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Um, I'm really good, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I first was introduced to your product, uh, Five Vodka. The first time I had it, it was the cranberry orange flavor by Melissa Serdic. And she was, I was doing a a cocktail drink for her, and we were doing some social media in the store, and she used your cranberry orange as the base of it. And when I first had it, I was like, wow, this is kind of different. She said, oh, it's made in Minnesota. Haven't you talked to these guys? I said, no. And then you have a lemon ginger flavor, too that I had a little bit later in that um, same year. Chris, how did you get into the idea of making liqueur? And you're not making the vodka. You're right. infusing the vodka, correct? Right. So there's got to be some uniqueness to doing that. Yeah, for sure. So um, we've been doing this recreationally for like seven years now. And we is We who? is myself, my wife, Beda, and then our partners, Kevin and Margaret. Hello, Kevin, Margaret, and Beda. <laughs> Good pronunciation. Good job. Yeah. Um, so we started it as a Christmas gift, actually, for Kevin and Margaret. Our kids played soccer together, and what better way to celebrate a peewee soccer game than to drink? So, sure. Um, so our friend Kevin, he loved Grey Goose and Cranberry, and I just didn't like the ocean spray taste. So yep. honestly, we heard it on a radio show one time. You could infuse cranberries from Wisconsin with vodka, and we're like, hey, that's a great Christmas gift. And so we poured it back in the Grey Goose bottles after a month in our garage and gave it to him, and they loved it. Made some more the next year. They loved it. Friends loved it. And then- um, And did you literally just take cranberries and infuse them in vodka and add- Did you add anything else at the time? Just simple syrup? Okay. Yeah. So you could drink it straight. And then did you strain it and- We strained it out and made a huge mess in our kitchen, (laughs) and as it did for many years to come. Yep. Uh, And then we strained it out, put it back in the Grey Goose bottle, and- Gave it to him for Christmas. That was that was it. So we did that for a couple of years, and then we, uh, you know, the Surly Bill passed. Yes, and... which changed the dynamic and the fortunes of lots of you distillers and totally. makers. Thirty-five plus of us now, and um, and so we decided to give it a go because right it... when the bill changed, did you know like, oh, I'm getting in. I'm going to be a distiller here. No way. It was. It kind of came up after we had done this for a couple of years for friends. And then um, we knew, because my wife and I both have food manufacturing backgrounds. Okay. And we knew, you know, there's a lot of movement around clean label and um, and people just wanted to eat more natural, less processed foods. And so we looked in liquor and there's tons of great distilleries out there that are doing great things in hard spirits. But there's still a big part of the store in the liqueur section that's a lot of flavored vodkas and 
know, brown color number, whatever, yep. um, that taste really bad. Uh, and so you have to add a lot to them to drink them. And we just thought there was a space for this kind of product that would be all natural, non-GMO, gluten-free, kind of clean ingredients. And then the other thing we saw as a big opportunity was that nobody labels their ingredients in liquor. It's not required unless you have some kind of allergen or um, color that has to be approved. That's interesting because it's really front and center on your bottles. Yeah, it's something we're we are super committed I'm to. I'm looking and... vodka, cranberries, orange, cane sugar, and water. Yep, that's it. Yep. Literally, we grind all the cranberries ourselves. We take all the lemons, you know, a few thousand lemons in every batch, and that's what's in it. Nothing else. Do you still do you do it? You don't still do it at home. Do you do it in a commercial kitchen now? Uh, no, we have our own place. So given that it's liquor, you have to have a licensed facility. Yep. So we have um, a great place. It's out in Winstead. It's about an hour west of the city. Sure. And uh, they have a great country music festival there every year. There's... I started that country music festival. Did you really? I really did. Me and Bonnie Quast. Oh, my God. I worked it... at K102, and she was working to raise funds for the school there, and Somehow, I was a new rep at K102, so I always got the new leads. So she called, and we met, and I participated in her um, holiday. They had a holiday parade, and one of our talent came out, and we started talking about what a country music festival would look like on their airfield. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. A long time ago. It's like the best day in Winstead. Yeah, it's become a really big deal, and it's a really quite big festival for the size of the town. Oh, yeah, and I was talking to somebody at a tasting the other night, and- they were saying, oh, yeah, that's where they have the big country music festival. Yeah. And we both remarked how they get such great acts. Yeah. I mean, there's such a small crowd relative to like a Wii Fest or yep. know, bigger ones. People, it's a very charming festival. I think people like it. So that's okay. There's my claim to fame. I'm very uh, proud of that. Oh, well, awesome. I don't work on it anymore. But uh, in the day, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we are out in Winstead. Yeah. We have a um, production location out there. And we lease it from this great guy who owns a trucking company out there. And that's where we produce it. So how many times a week do you or a month do you have to go into production? I'd say we're probably once a month-ish. Just depends on the season. Yep. Um, And, you know, vodka's great because it's shelf-stable. Yeah. And so we kind of, we infuse it for a month and then we take all of the fruit and everything out and we filter it down so that there's nothing, none of the fruit pieces left in it. And is it all four of you doing this? Like once a month you head out there and it's like this is production day and... Yeah, it totally depends. If we do bottling, then it's a full crew of help that comes yep. out, and we have maybe eight or ten people that help run it. And then we do, and we have a full production line that we put together. And then if it's just us doing kind of the front-end production, then there's a few of us that go out and do it. What is your background in the food business? So I'm an engineer okay. by training, and so right now I work in research. But I've done roles in operations and and uh, research and development too. So when you started this and you decided, okay, we're going to, the Surly Law has passed, we're going to try to make a, a product out of this that we can sell. How much money did you put into it? Or did you have like a number in your head that we're not going to spend more than this? Yeah, we, good question. Um, we started it with just looking at the model, like the business model, the PL, and yep. what that would look like and whether or not we had enough margin that we could extract out of it. To okay, the it very idea that you just said the word PNL is amazing to me because so many people that I talk to don't do a PNL. And so you can be making product and making money even, but you have no concept of how much of that product is profit or if you're managing your expenses properly. So you did a business plan and a PNL first. Right. And I wouldn't say we did like a full business plan. Yeah. We kind of did a 
opportunity assessment and whether or not we could get kind of the right strengths, level of weaknesses, the SWAT. Yeah, kind of something <laughs> maybe not that ornate, but it, it was definitely some rigorous thought into whether or not this was going to be okay from just like a risk standpoint um, and whether or not there was enough flex built into it that we could be kind of close enough and okay. Um, and then I think by the time we were done, it was and I kind of done in quotes, but maybe like six figures, yep. close to a hundred thousand probably. And did you and the couple do it equally? Yep. Okay. So it was both. And, and that makes it a little easier not to swallow. Right. Another funny thing I'm learning as I do this is, and I say this not to judge, but there's businesses and then there's hobby businesses. And some hobby businesses are always hobby businesses, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Um, other business people that sit in this chair, their investment is up usually north of $50,000 or more. And for them, it's not a hobby. It's that they're going to get the funding together and they're going to put it together as more of a serious attempt to someday leave their jobs. Or So you're kind of in that route are you at some point thinking that you guys will leave your day jobs or how are you feeling about it? Yeah, good question. And that's probably the million dollar question. Yeah, it always um, is. Yeah. And I think, you know, we started this as something we wanted to do nights and weekends. And all of our investments are focused towards that for the most part. Yeah. So that we can keep it either that we are better quality products, um, you know, our labels maybe look better or... Um, I mean, early on, you, if you saw some product that we put out early on, some of our labels were a little bit off. Janky. And, yeah. I mean, and, and I was hand-turning bottles, and it was like 400 at a time, and it really hurt. And um, and so we invested in some money to help with labeling, mm-hmm. and we invested in some money to help with kind of the quality of our filtering, and um, all so that we could make sure that we continue to make really good product, even as we continue to grow. And then, you know, I think from a growth standpoint now, we're mostly looking at, okay, is Minnesota good for us? And, and is Minnesota solid? And we're supporting the market really well. And um, we've got a great partner distributor here with Vina Copias, who mm-hmm. we're distributed through. And they have a great sales force and um, really good ones to partner with. But part of the downside of that is that when we try to grow to another state, we have to go find another distributor. Right. Because explain that for people that don't know. The dis- distribution laws for liquor are real funky. Yeah. Yeah. They they both protect and probably limit the industry as well. So you can't just have anybody come in and produce products. So that's maybe a bit of an advantage. But then it's also a disadvantage because they also have a lot of limitations on what you can do as a wholesaler to sell direct to the public. Right. And so right now in Minnesota, you can only do that if you have a tap room and then the, or kind of a cocktail room. Yep. And so there's lots of, of distilleries that are doing that now and having some pretty good luck with it. But as you look to move across state lines, then you have to go into another market. It just really can get really expensive. And each market is really unique, and the distiller and distributor relationships are so unique. For sure. And, and there's different sets of markets, too. So you have controlled states that the state controls the distribution. And those we've actually found are relatively easy to deal with because you just tell them that you want to, we've had a a few customers that said, Hey, can you ship us products? And they're either in Texas or Pennsylvania or Iowa, and we can ship them a case at a time and that's Mm -hmm. no problem. Um, But when you get into markets like Wisconsin or Michigan, kind of as you go further east outside of the state, then they are distributor markets and you just have to build that relationship with a distributor and 
Um, and then eventually, I think if you get enough scale, then it makes sense to go, for us at least, to go with a maybe a bigger distributor. So at this point, you're trying to weigh whether, A, you're servicing your core business to the best of your ability, and B, does it make sense to try to groom some of those distributor relationships out of state, it sounds like. Right. And I think they're not mutually exclusive. I think you kind of have yeah, to do them both at the you same do, time. you do, for sure. But I swear, every time that we go out to a tasting, we were just doing one the other night down at Dolce Vita in mm-hmm. Chasco, which is an awesome place. Um, and we meet people all the time who haven't met us before. And so we just know our, even though we're in 400 plus stores or so across the state, nobody knows about us. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because I work with uh, Salad Girl Salad Dressings too, and they're in a lot of stores and all over the Midwest. And it's amazing to me still how many people have never heard of them. So there's a lot of my, a ground to cover in your own backyard, in your own territory. And when you're doing samplings, is that the best way to get the word out? How do you? Totally. Yeah. We like to do um, a couple different things. One is we love to sample in stores because then we can convert that to a sale yep. for our retailers. And honestly, we're not, at least in the early days, we're not in this to make money. We're in this to put the money back into the brand yep. to continue to build it. And we find the most effective way to do that and the most cost-efficient way is to get samples out. So whenever we can do either samples in stores or partner with charities, um, because another part of this is we really we want to use this as a vehicle to give back, mm-hmm. um, then we do that as much as possible. And it just helps to build strong brand advocates. And we did that for probably the first year and sampled you know, a couple thousand plus people. And by the time the first year was done, we were at an event on the mound. We had two really cool things happen during that tasting. One, it was like a big walk-around tasting yeah. outside. And so one person came up and said, hey, I bought these. I haven't tried them yet, though. I just love the packaging, so I bought them. I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome yeah. because our packaging, we really wanted it to pop out on shelf. And then two, somebody else came up and said, oh, my friend shared this with me, and we buy it all the time. And I was like, oh, wow, those are – Yeah, like, you've so arrived. We want a shareable, and well, I don't know about arriving, but we <laughs> we had some good bones at least. and and. So that was fun. How do you get your vodka that you do you buy it from someone local or do you just buy is there like I don't know uh generic vodka and then you flavor it? Yeah, good question. So we um we looked at distilling to begin with and we looked at what was going on in the market. There are great distillers out there like mm-hmm. Norseman and Tattersall and um, you know the list goes on that do really good job and make great have a great hard spirits portfolio. But given that we wanted to the fruit on top of it, we really just needed something that was clean. It didn't taste like anything. We also wanted it to be non-GMO and gluten-free and certified. Um, And so we wanted to go kind of an affordable route that was we could afford to do with this business model Um, and then uh, get something that was totally neutral, which is really hard to do if you're going to do that on a small scale. Yep. And so we opted to do, um, we have a source out of the Midwest that's a neutral spirit, which is where our all vodka starts. Yep. You just distill it up to you know ninety five ish percent, and then you put um, reverse osmosis water to it to bring the proof down. So that's what we do. So we kind of bring in a bulk. And what proof spirit. are your products? They're thirty six proof. Okay, or 18%. so eighteen percent. And uh, regular vodka is what like eighty 40. proof? Yeah, eighty proof. Yeah. Okay. So wow, so I can drink more than I think I can. So it's about <laughs> yeah, it's like low fat ice cream. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Now, do most people the cranberry orange is very flavorful just on its own, I find. 
Um, the lemon ginger, I tend to mix with other things. Do most people just drink them on ice or up, or how do you it see most people totally drinking depends them? depends on the palate. It's really interesting having to go out and getting to go out and do tastings with consumers because people will flip. They'll say they'll like one or the other, first yep. of all, and then they'll, you know, because there's a simple syrup in it, they may say, oh, well, that's sweeter than I thought, but I love this other one. I love the cranberry one or I love the lemon. Which one is sweeter, do you think? It, um, I think the lemon has more sweetness to it, but that's me. Yep. Other people think the cranberry does. And when you're out tasting, what kind of drinks do you make for people? We either make like a lemon drop martini. We make a bourbon sour, which is really good, like yep. bourbon half and half with our lemon ginger. We love making cocktails that are super simple to make because we're not mixologists. Yeah. And um, we'll do a Cosmo with the cranberry orange, or in the, as it moves into fall, we maybe bring in spice rum or uh, apple cider, mm-hmm. hard cider. Yum, that sounds good. Yeah, so they're fun. They're super easy to mix. They are very good, either, like I said, up or down. You can do whatever, or you can just drink it. Straight. And what's the price point? There, it depends. You know, Certix has great sales always. They're yep. like nineteen ninety nine there. Oh, that's a good um, price. Or they go up to maybe twenty three or twenty four ninety nine. Yep. We tried to make them so they're our retailers, they're a little bit more expensive than the artificially flavored yes. products that are on the market. So yep. they get a little bit more bang for the buck on the shelf. But then for our consumers, we also want them to be a little bit cheaper than maybe some of the the local spirits might be, like a really high-end gin or something where they have to spend 40 or $50 for a bottle. And, and because we know that they have to take a risk on buying the product, so we want them to feel like they're getting a good value. Yeah. Too. So how... If you're out there and you're sampling, let's say you sample 100 people. I'm probably going to sneeze here. If you sample 100 people, how many will convert to a sale if you're sampling in a liquor store? We usually get maybe 50 plus percent. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a great conversion rate. We'll get like 70 maybe. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. It's all about getting them to try it. And I think when they try it and they can see what they can do with it, then it's do you have a sense well. of who the customer is? Is it a woman? Is it a man? Is it a foodie? Is it a cosmopolitan drinker, like a Bethany Frankel type? Like, do you have a sense of yeah. who that looks like? Yeah, for sure. Mostly it's, I'd say it skews towards women, um, mostly because of the proof content and just the branding. It's pretty packaging. It's yeah. A little bit more feminine. Yep. But I got to tell you, when we were at the tasting the other night, there were, I think, Half of more guys that bought it. Yep. And they either buy it because they're like, oh, wow, this tastes really good. Or they're like, oh, my wife would like this. Yeah. And it would maybe help her be able to drink bourbon instead of just me drinking bourbon by myself. It's funny. Um, my radio partner, Stephanie March, is always like finding ways to help me drink bourbon. Bourbon drinkers really <laughs> feel like they need to help you along in your understanding of it. And it has been helpful to me. So if you were going to make a bourbon drink with the cranberry orange, is that what you would use or you'd use the lemon ginger? I'd use the lemon. I would. And how would you make it? I'd make it half and half, put it on some ice, and I'd add some lemon zest to it. And I'd sit down and watch the game. Any kind of bourbon that you recommend? I like Angel's. I might try this tonight. Yeah, Angel's Envy is really good. Okay. Um, They're out of Colorado, I think. All right. And then, you know, Jefferson's bourbon's really good, too. Yep. All right. I would definitely pick, like, a good entry-level bourbon, not like an ocean, really, you know, $100 bottle. Yeah, because you don't want to spend money on something that you can't drink neat, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, what about expansions? Have you thought about that? Yeah, so expansion for us looks like probably more SKUs. So 
the challenge with that is that we have two really good ones right now that yeah. we're pretty confident in. And we want to make sure we come out with a third and fourth that are not really overlapping very much. Yep. Both for our retailers and for us so we don't just trade out a spot on the shelf. And then um, for other expansion, it's we're looking at other states. But I think we, we're pretty solidly in this this part of the store. Like it's not like we're going to go out and start doing gin full strength yep. yeah, spirits. Because there's so many good options for that around. There's just... I don't think there's a need for it. I wonder if there's a way. Um, so you can. I'm always sitting here like brainstorming with people, too. So you're probably limited to how many in-stores you can do just because of time. And there's four of you. Um, I wonder if there's a way to partner with another type of liquor and do the tastings together so you can double your exposure. Yeah, we do. It's a great suggestion. We do a little bit of that. Um, with sometimes with Jay Carver, we may yep. bring their products along or kind of post, yeah, go post on social media, yep, or Scalvin, um, just yeah, up in the Northwest. They have that habanero rum that I'm just crazy about. It's hot, it is real hot, like and I don't know face. why I love it, but I do. What do you use it at? Um, Bloody Marys, which I know sounds weird, but um, also like mangoey, punchy, rummy drinks, yeah, to kind of um, just it. to give it that little ounce, um, yeah. Yeah, they're great. Um, we love, like, we saw them at the tasting the other night, and we just yep. love hanging out with them. Because you learn so much by talking to everybody. In well, I was going to ask about that. Is there some kind of an association that you all belong to? We don't belong to, the, I think there's a Minnesota Distillers Association. We yep. don't belong to it. We do a lot of our networking kind of ad hoc. Yeah. Um, but then also something I've started to do recently is just get together with small startups and that are in totally different industries and just bring them together to start talking about common issues they're dealing with. Yeah, that's smart. And then I'm trying to get into a little bit more of just small business mentoring just to try and help share some experiences, too, and make it easier maybe for others to Yeah, get so you'd like to mentor others, it sounds like, yeah. as well as potentially being mentored yourself. Yeah, um, both are needed. <laughs> yeah, because you usually learn stuff as soon as you're sharing stuff. Stuff. Business acumen, I guess, is not stuff. Um if you were going to tell someone like a lesson that you learned along the way where you were like, wow, if we were just done this or not done that, can you think of something that stands in your mind? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think we've had little stumbling blocks along the way. I don't think there's been a major one that has been like, oh, no, we didn't see that one coming. We've done some things around just we try to do little experiments along the mm -hmm. way where we don't throw a ton of money into it, but it may be a ton of money for us, maybe, you know, you know, big money for like an advertisement right. thing and just to test whether or not it works. And we've done some things with print advertising, like, oh, well, that's we don't want to do that again. Okay. Um so, so those kinds of things, I think just making small bets to see if avenues work or what not. kind of marketing does work for you? Certainly the tastings work. Yep. That is one of our big ones. The charity partnerships is another focus area for us. And, and then, how does that work where you like donate product to a charity for an event and then you're able to sample? And... It is um, when we first get the first person that reached out to me is a great guy. Uh, he's, he reached out to us on Facebook and said, hey, would you be willing to donate a bottle or two? We do an Alzheimer trip down to the casinos. My mom has Alzheimer's and like you can have a case. Let's yeah. Sure. sure. Yeah. You know, we'll be happy to help you out. Um, and totally worthy cause, very nice family. Turns out they are now my 
one of his sisters is my daughter's daycare teacher. Uh huh. Three years later. Yeah. Um, and so just small world, and and so we've we've built some of these relationships over time. And then we also do several large events a year. So, like, we'll do the Cocktailian in the winter here with yep, City Pages. Yep, City Pages, sure. And, like, last year that happened, and someone from the Guthrie came up and talked to me and said, asked if we'd be interested in a partnership. And I, you know, said yes. That was yeah. great. And it was certainly within kind of what we want to do from a branding standpoint. And so we ended up last year doing, or this past year, doing several events with them. Yeah, or, like, um, signature cocktails yeah, for shows. Exactly. and Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and they've got a great organization over there that we try to help out yeah um, so it's very organic and we do cancer charities and kid charities i, I think you know wherever we get to help out it, it helps us feel good about yeah the work we're doing. there's a lot of affinity too if you sponsor something that i'm interested in it's much easier for me to walk into a liquor store and buy your liquor because i'm like oh i know these people they've helped me out they're good people for sure yeah um and, it, and it's it's just a nice way for us to tangibly give back we can't really give money because we don't have it. So yep. it's a great way for us to <laughs> help out. I always tell people, I'm like, we can help with product. We can't really help with money. And then they don't really want money. And then they want, yeah. they want either uh, gift baskets to help them drive sure. silent auctions or things like that. Let's talk about social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, do you do Pinterest as well? well? I thought about doing Pinterest early on. We have an account, but okay. we don't do it. So of the accounts that you have, which ones do you think drive sales? That's an excellent question. I think that Instagram is where we have our most traction mm-hmm. and where we spend most of our time, honestly. Uh, we've been hot and cold with Facebook, and we need to do better, and it's kind of those things you know you need to do, but yep. maybe you just don't have time to do it. And you're doing it primarily, yep. right? So this is on top of your day job and being a dad. And um, I that was one of the things why I like doing social media now because I sold my business, and that's what I'm doing. But when I was a small business person, the social media felt always exhausting. It was just like, oh, it was always on, you know, like yeah. you, I felt like I could never turn it off. Do you do um, videos primarily or pictures? Mostly do pictures and they're just easier. We can do them in the moment. They're yep. a little lower pressure. Um, we've got a great um, friend over at William Sonoma mm-hmm. over at Ridgedale. Yep. We've been helping them out with just a couple of Saturday events, and they are great about letting us take pictures there. So yep. they have great lighting. and The styling, yep. yeah. And, and we can do the styling really easily. So that's um, mostly pictures right now. I, I, I saw I was on your social media, and I liked the um, posts where you had the recipes. Hmm. I thought that was clever. Um, and not that you really need a recipe, because your product really does stand alone. Um, the lemon ginger makes a good uh, mule which I'm sure you realize in the summertime, we drank a lot of that. You mentioned that you're mixing these with apple cider for winter. How would you do that? Uh, really easy. Just do half and half with the cranberry orange. Or we just tried one with mulling spices and making them hot. Yeah. And it's great. Just, again, half and half-ish with the cranberry orange. That's wonderful. The spice, if you have a good spiced rum you like, adding some of the lemon ginger and vanilla to it and microwaving that. Is Yum. fantastic, especially <laughs> after the snow flies. Is, yeah, you know it's a good, it's a good day. Um, if as we, how many bottles are you selling a year now? I think we sell somewhere like fifteen to twenty a year, twenty thousand a year, and um, just massive. Like, wow, this is to the point where we need to quit our jobs. Do you know what that number is, and is it in your mind's eye? We know what that number is, but we're not. 
not there. <laughs> yeah. And do you see like that you can get there? Is it just a matter of time? Is it building yeah. building more brand evangelists? I think it's. I think you could see your way on how to get there. It's all the little stones in the way that you don't realize that things take longer. It takes longer to gain traction, and, and you know, it takes money too. So yeah. how much more do you want to put into it um, to build the brand outside of the state? Yep. Clearly, the distribution out there costs more than it does here, and so I think it's just question of you know and is the market right mm-hmm. you know um i think there's a big timing component to it so i think you could see your way to get there and and we're not there today <laughs> yeah but you know like what that looks like and it's something that you're working towards yeah for sure but i think we we all love our day jobs too so it's let me ask you about that and then i'll i'll wrap it up here just working with your wife i worked with my husband for 12 years um we had good days and we had some not so good days, weeks, sometimes a month. I just remember him wanting to kill me a lot because I was the yin to his yang in a way that wasn't always comfortable as a married couple. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd want to spend money on something. I would be much more conservative and make him literally do like a business plan before we would buy this extra piece of equipment. You were the bank. I, I just, I was the conscience, I guess. And he didn't always want that. You know, he's an entrepreneur. He wanted to go out and he wanted to just do stuff. He didn't want to have to answer to me for it. In the long run, I think it was good that we had that, but it wasn't easy on a marriage. At 6 o'clock, I had to go home and then have dinner with him, you know, where half the time he was like, oh, you're driving me crazy. Do you have any of that, or are your roles so defined that? I think we had some of it early on, mostly around the investment pieces. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I didn't want to put any more money into our company. Mm -hmm. We had agreed on a number. In order to make it, we needed to double that number. I didn't want to do it. My husband did. And we sort of got there, but it wasn't comfortable. I'll just say, I mean, honestly, I think I've said this before. We almost got divorced over the whole thing. And then finally, we were able to get to where one of us could leave our jobs and then two of us could leave our jobs. And, you know, I thank him now every day or try to thank him every day and just say thank you for believing in us more than I believed in us because I didn't. I just figured, you know, I have bills to pay, a kid in daycare, I need to go to work, and I don't know if this is going to make it. Have you guys passed that point, or do you see those flashpoints coming in the marriage, and does the other couple that you're working with have those same flashpoints? Yeah, I think um, they're great questions, and they certainly happen. I don't, Ours didn't go to that extent. Yep. Um, certainly they were around the big investment chunk yeah. that we had to put in because it's such. it went from, hey, do you think we could do this, and – Everybody's saying, yeah, sure, let's look at the permitting to turning into real money. Yeah. And that happened pretty quickly, I think. And were you and the other couple on the same page about the money? Like, Yeah, I think for the most part we were. Good. So we were really fortunate from that standpoint. We have really good partnership. Um, and I think, you know, my wife brings, she brings a heavy operations expertise as well. Yep. And so that's very helpful for us to be kind of on the same page about our strategies around how we build our operation. But she also brings a really good branding experience and given her background, just knows a lot about how to do branding. And she's the one who's behind our labels mm-hmm. and um, and our whole branding approach. So she brings credibility and then I bring credibility in other areas. Our partners bring their own unique set. Around yeah. So it sounds like you guys have carved out what works for each. It serendipitously works pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be some potholes down the road. Yeah, there where will be. It, where Things happen and we'll have to talk about it. But yep. 
seems to be going okay. And so far, both of you are kind of in it and at the same level of interest because sometimes people, like one couple loses interest or doesn't have the risk tolerance that the other one does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's it's very, you know, in the group, somebody has to assume the lead role. Yep. Are you the leader? So I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But everybody kind of steps up at different periods of time. And I think the successful ones, at least from my standpoint, you just have to be, have your sea legs and like let somebody else lead when they have the expertise Yep, and not be okay. And that's kind of how we operate. That's smart. Um, We've been talking to Chris Field. He's the founder with his wife and the other couple. I'm not going to remember their names. Do you want to say them one more time? Ada, Chris, and I'm sorry, that's me. Ada, (laughs) Kevin, and Margaret. Uh, They are the partners in uh, Five Vodka, cranberry orange flavor, lemon ginger flavor. We know you're at Certix, and you said you're at about 100 other stores. Are there a couple other stores you'd like to drive people to? Yeah, I mean, we love Kowalski's and uh, Fresh Time and Hy-Vee and and, um, yeah, Lunds and Byerly's. All right. Well, you can find the products there, and uh, you can check out. We'll put a couple of – I have the products, so I'll put a couple of recipes or – I'll experiment with it and put some things on the Makers of Minnesota Facebook page. You can always find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, as you guys are there as well. And I just thank you for sharing your story with me today. It's a different story than just a traditional distiller. And your product is super simple, but it's really good. And I really wish you... Um, I wish you the best, and I'm anxious for you guys to get to the next level. I'd love to see any other flavors that you have. So we will uh, hopefully see that in the future. Awesome. Thank you.